0: listening to Uncle Silverback. Today is Friday the 10th of December 2010. Today's show we're going to talk a little bit about prepping, talk a little bit about uh, debt, and I've talked about some of this stuff before. We're going to go at it at a little bit different angle today and we're going to talk about things kind of from the standpoint of, um, for today's show at least, a standpoint of into the world as we know it type things or when the shit hits the fan or without rule of law, however you want to phrase it. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, what prepping means. Let's talk a little bit about um, who I think is out there today that is putting out some really good information. Uh, a really famous firearms trainer, by a guy by the name of Clint Smith, one of his DVDs that I was watching one time, he said, and he was talking about, well, how do you kind of Know who's the real deal, for lack of a better word, or how do you know what training is good and what is bad? And he says, you need to apply this single word to all the training that I'm going to give you, and apply this word to any other training that you're going to get. And of course, he was talking about firearm stuff, but you can you can apply this single word to every pretty much everything in life, and but especially if you're looking at, you know, is this BS or not? And that one word is logic most people think that they have a pretty good BS detector and for the most part we do and that's because one of the things that our brains are very very good at is compartmentalizing things and putting things in order from A to Z and when we when we kinda see something that doesn't seem right um, even if we don't know a lot about the subject or don't have a lot of lo- uh, excuse me, not a, a lot of knowledge in a particular skill set. We're still pretty good as a species at saying that that doesn't really look right, or that doesn't seem like that makes much common sense. And basic, and because again, our brains are very good at going from A to B to C to Z. We're 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 creatures of logic, and there's and I know some people would argue, well, not most most of us aren't, but really most of us are. And when we hear that, that small little voice, or we get that tickle in the back of our head when we're, we're watching something or we're seeing something, um, we need to pay attention to that. And if you'll apply that to people who are giving you advice or people who are saying, hey, this is the way you do A, B, and C, you know, just, just see if it makes logical sense to you. I think if you'll do that, then you'll be able to really cut through a lot of the BS that's out there. All right, let's talk a little bit about some of the people that I think that are out there right now who are doing a really good job of, of putting some of this type of information out. One of the guys I think out there right now who is probably one of the better ones uh, is a guy by the name of Jack Spierko. I've mentioned him before on previous episodes, previous shows. I think the guy is very sincere. I don't agree with him 100%. Um, but I think the information that he gives out is top notch. Now he does, some people say, oh, you know, he just wants to sell stuff or blah, blah, blah. He, he does have a member support uh, brigade or something like that over at his podcast. And that's, the again, the survival podcast. But he says, look, you know, if, if you want to do this, that's fine. If you don't, that he's, he's fine with that too as far as the information getting out there. Uh, but he talks about everything from elimination of debt, which we've covered on this show before, all the way up to end of the world, you know, scenarios, things from uh, economics, politics, things like that, things from uh, hunting, fishing, uh, food storage, uh, food preparation, getting into the prepping lifestyle, things like that. He's the guy that really has inspired me to try and and make my own preparations and the preparations for my family to make it to where if something bad happened to us uh, or to our community or or to our our state or or to our nation as a whole that at least we've got a good fighting chance and we've got a good buffer uh both you know financially and uh as far as I don't want to say materially but you know far as as having some food preps and some things like that so he's one of the guys that I think is probably one of the top-notch guys out there there are tons of other guys that are talking about oh things things kind of from you know like maybe going out into the woods and getting some what they call bushcrafting skills which means that you're you're able to go out maybe into the woods or to whatever area that you live in whatever environment you're living in and you're able to uh, survive and thrive out there uh, there's also a guy on uh, youtube his name is Southern prepper one is what his YouTube channel is and this guy has been putting out things kind of from a military standpoint and he's been very just really good ideas I really like the way he's he's done them uh, he talks he, he at first he was talking doing things where he was saying uh, just kind of giving almost like classes type thing this is this is what this means this is how you do this this is how you could set up a patrol uh, if you were out maybe more in a rural area as opposed to you know a, a urban environment type thing and what he's been doing lately which is a really neat thing is he's putting on basically a scenario where he he says oh you know we got attacked last night or this person showed up to our our area last night or our community and this is this is what happens and then he gives different scenarios and then what he'll do is he'll wait a couple of days for comments to come in and then he'll sort of go over those things and and what he's doing is He's doing a couple of different things. One, he gives his perspective. But then what he also is doing is saying, look, the more heads we've got going into a problem, the better ideas that we can get. And so when he sort of does, the, for lack of a better term, maybe the classroom setting type thing, um, he will mention other people who've left comments or who've done stuff uh, and given ideas and brings them in and he'll say, oh, I wouldn't have thought of that or I, you know, I... Uh, this would have been a little bit better deal for this this type of situation. So, again, his name is Southern Prepper One. If you want, you can go to my YouTube channel, which is Five Two Five Donuts, and look under under my uh, subscriber section. And the people that I've subscribed to now, not every person that I subscribe to has stuff to do with prepping or or um, uh, things of that nature. There's people that I subscribe to that are just fun channels and things like that, but. Most of them, that I, I kind of find it's funny when I look at them, most of them that I subscribe to are people that I'm trying to learn something from or trying to get something from or trying to get maybe a little bit different perspective on it. It doesn't necessarily mean because I subscribe to them that I agree 100% with what their uh, philosophical or political viewpoints are, but I do think that they have something valid to say. Uh, and And again... Kind of getting back to... Uh, I mentioned a little bit about Jack Spirico has some stuff. He has sponsors and encourages people to go to the sponsors. And he has that membership brigade. And I don't think his main goal is, again, to just sell stuff. And just because there are some people out there that are selling things and trying to make some money doesn't mean that the information that they're giving you and imparting you is totally invalid. Um, so let me think, Uh, kind of doing this off the top of my head, again, as far as the YouTube thing, if you'll just go to my channel and take a look at that, uh, that will um, give you kind of a a real good jumping off point on on people that I think are really good on YouTube, Um, so now, as far as, to as going and maybe contacting me, let's go ahead and do some of our contact info, Uh, if you want to leave a voicemail for me, please feel free to do so, 206-339-3266, uh, if you have suggestions or comments, or, or later on, you know, once we're done, if you, you uh, wanted to add some stuff to what I've done, uh, go ahead and, and feel free to do that. Leave me a voicemail. If you want to do an MP3, uh, both Eric and, and uh, Vince um, have done that, and some of the other guys have done that. A lot of you guys have sent in stuff in the past, so I really appreciate that. I love hearing from you guys. Um, if you want to contact me through email, uh, either to do a review, or to ask a question, or make a suggestion, please feel free to do that at uh, you can send that to me at the at gmail.com all one word the at gmail.com and you can send it an mp3 if you want to do it that way as well okay well let's see our contact stuff is out of the way um let's go ahead and uh, we'll drop in a review from uh our buddy eric and he's talking about a jeep cherokee that he has or that he recently purchased excuse me and uh, we'll go ahead and hear from eric
1: Hey, Tony, this is Eric and uh, doing something kind of unique, I guess, for anything I've submitted to you for the Arm Date podcast. I'm actually going to review something (laughs) rather than just do a a movie. I'm going by the criteria you laid out for your reviews, and I was going to tell everybody about the Cherokee that I recently picked up. I've been kind of looking for a four by four for a while, uh, something that I could take out on camping trips and and just kind of beat around. And I knew that I wanted an older one. I couldn't bring myself to to buy some brand new crazy expensive beautiful uh vehicle and then, and then scratch its paint up. I want something that I can thrash off-road, uh throw stuff in the back and go shooting with. So, first what I really struggled with was do I get a 4x4 pickup or do I get a Jeep, you know, something more SUV like? And really the decision it, it was tough for me There's no right answer for anybody. I simply decided a truck can do anything that a Jeep could do, uh, except it can also haul furniture. You know, it was kind of my thought. I was actually leaning towards an F-150 with 4x4. I wound up going with the Jeep Cherokee, which is, you know, fairly small compared to other SUVs. Because I decided, you know, I go camping and stuff a whole lot more, and I wanted something narrower that could potentially fit uh, into trails or tight spots a little bit better than a a pickup. And I do that stuff a whole lot more than I go shoot. Well, not than I go shooting. I can still take all that stuff. But, you know, I don't move couches all that often. So a pickup for me was really like, eh, not needed. So uh, what I wound up getting was a 91 Jeep Cherokee XJ. XJ is the internal frame code for uh, the, you know, you've got your CJ5s, your CJ7s, and the Wrangler family. XJ was the the normal Cherokee, not the Grand Cherokee. These things are actually kind of hard to find because the people who have them seem to know what they've got and don't want to get rid of them, at least here in Tucson. Grand Cherokees are a dime a dozen. You can find those anywhere. They're much more street-oriented. They're not really worth anything off-road. They're bigger. They're heavier, more internal volume. And if you want more comfort while driving around town, probably a better choice. The XJ, the the plain old Cherokee really is off-road dedicated. Mine's a base model. It's so base, it doesn't even have a tripometer. The odometer is all it's got. It is so incredibly bare when it comes to extra features and stuff, and I love it. It's uh, it's almost primal. I've got the 4-liter high-output engine, uh, an NP-231 transfer case, and an AW4 automatic transmission. Uh, Let's see... I don't know what else I should say to describe it, just to give people uh, an idea. I was specific that I wanted something from 91 to 2001 when it was finished being made. And the reason why was because I found, and if you guys Google this, uh, Cherokee Buyer's Guide. One of the first things that you should find, probably the first, is an article by JP Magazine. And it goes over the history of the Cherokee and kind of spells out everything. They uh they also talk about how cheap you can get one, and that was very nice that I was able to pick this thing up cash. I paid about two thousand for it. So uh, let's see, what is it designed to do? Well, it's designed to be an off-road vehicle, uh, an all-purpose general utility type vehicle. On the uh, on the registration, it is actually described as a station wagon. And and that hurts a little bit, but uh <laughs> I like the fact that I can carry a bunch of stuff, I can have an enclosed compartment uh that's you know weatherproof, but I can still tackle most anything that I would want to do. I don't do real serious rock crawling, but it is a good four-wheel drive. Uh it's truly a utility vehicle. How well does it do it? I would say fairly well. Um, there are some drawbacks. There have been some times where I couldn't quite do what I thought I wanted to do. I'm not sure if that's, uh, a failure of the Jeep itself or whether it's design. Um, let's see. It's actually, I've got notes on this for how well does it do it? I would say I would give it a C or a B letter grade, you know, it average to above average, it's got decent ground clearance, and uh, I really like the spare tire location. On um, the one that I bought, the whoever the original owner was got it where it was rear-mounted outside the tailgate, uh, or rather the lift gate. So I've got more internal volume, which is honestly probably more important to me than uh, than ground clearance or angles of attack for going up or down hills. I can imagine that the spare tire extending out there. Could affect uh, honest to god four wheeling for the guys who are really serious about it, but because this is kind of a utility thing for me, and, and I want the uh, the internal volume, the spare tire location on a lot of Cherokees is actually inside mounted. How do I say this? Uh, against the the wall, basically on the driver's side, all the way to the rear in the compartment. So it's uh, it's kind of running along the length of the vehicle. If that makes any sense? Standing upright. Uh, it's a good location, but, um, it's, I prefer mine because it gives me that much more room for, you know, boxes of ammo, sleeping bags, camp stoves, whatever. Uh, you know what, real quickly, let me just go back to the description of the Cherokee real quickly. One of the things that was so cool about this is it was one of the first unibody. The body is the frame basically, and it makes it much lighter weight. That doesn't really help the gas mileage all that much. I'll get into that in a bit. But uh, it does kind of help it as far as power-to-weight ratio and its ability to climb, um, you know, and just throwing that out there. Uh, let's see. Uh, t- 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 the tires suck. This goes into that C or B letter grade back to how well does it do it. Uh, there's really no tread for off-road traction. Now, I doubt these are, are factory tires. I mean, this car is almost 20 years old. But, uh these are definitely street tires. There, there's no off-road pretension. Whoever bought this, they wanted a truck with a camper shell. Basically they wanted a small Mazda B 2000 with a camper shell and they got a Cherokee instead. Um, they're slippery and they're no grip. I've, uh, I've lost traction on some wet grass. It wasn't all that wet. Um, But I will say that the locking differentials really help for scrambling up looser surfaces. The four-wheel drive on this thing works very well, and from some of the reading I've been doing People get really wrapped up about the MP uh, 231 and I think it's the NP 242 transfer case. I'm still kind of Jeep stupid, but for what I think I'm going to be doing, uh, I believe I got lucky and I think the 231 is actually the better transfer case for me and for my purposes. Uh, this is one of those where if you're really going to get wrapped around the axle about the thing, you know, not to uh, play on words too much since we're talking about drivetrains. Um, you might be better served knowing what you wanted to do ahead of time. For my purposes, I, I think I've got the right one. Uh, let's talk about the cons uh, or its shortcomings. This is the third point. Uh, for one, gas mileage. It is light comparatively, you know, the vehicle, uh, compared to the Grand Cherokee and some other SUVs, but the gearing and the engine really work against any advantage in weight for gas mileage. This thing gets... Ah oh, dang it! Okay, put my phone on silent. This thing gets 15 miles to the gallon, whether I am coasting downhill in neutral or towing a house uphill. It it really doesn't seem to vary all that much. Um, the uh, the rear springs are flat, and I think that's from a lot of towing. This thing does have a tow bar that was installed on it aftermarket, and uh, and again, like I've mentioned, the tires. Uh, you get what you pay for, though, and that's one thing I really have to point out. As I was looking at this, part of the reason I got this is because I picked it up for two thousand dollars, and a lot of the other Cherokees that really interested me were closer to three or four, uh, maybe as much as five, but but not much beyond that. And as I look at it, and I look at what I'm going to wind up, you know, replacing. I'm probably going to get up into the 3 to 3,500 ballpark. I'm planning on doing new tires, and I'll probably do about a 3-inch lift kit. Um, And (laughs) this is actually getting – hold on. I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. The fourth one for your review uh, stuff is what manufacturer mods would I like to see? Well, there was a minor update in 97, but it was basically cosmetic. uh, But it also narrowed the wheel well and it was kind of a bad idea because with that all of a sudden now you've got fewer choices as far as tires and stuff that'll fit you've got to do cutouts fender flares etc so uh manufacturer updates i'd like to see this is out of production There's not a whole lot I think that they could have done a whole lot better because they have to go sane, you know, and while they could obviously have produced straight up rock crawlers, that wouldn't have been the general purpose utility vehicle. I mean, come on, that's where Jeep initially got its name GP general purpose, you know, so uh, actually, I think from the manufacturer, it's pretty good. The one manufacturer thing I think that they should have changed cup holders. (laughs) 1991, okay? And this thing doesn't have a single cup holder anywhere in it. However, it is an aftermarket modification uh, that uh, is pretty easy to do. So there is that. Uh, Mods that I'm planning on doing, since I haven't done them yet, is like I say, uh, a three-inch lift kit. The rear springs are, the rear leafs are completely flat. So I'm thinking that a three-inch lift kit is right about the limit for what you can do before you start changing too much in the drivetrain geometry and uh, and needing to make modifications to your drive shaft, slip yoke eliminators, and all that other crazy stuff. Uh, three inches, like I say, about the limit, and that will fit 31 inch tires. There'll be an improvement, but it's also not over the top, and that's kind of what I'm going for. Uh, I would like a little bit more off-road capability, but I'm not looking to do anything terribly crazy. Uh, with the rear leaves being flat, and since I'm going to replace them entirely, I think a three-inch lift kit will actually wind up being more like five inches actual, just because uh, replacing where it's already flat, if I went stock, I think I would gain two inches. So uh, there is that. I got to say, this This is, even though I give it a C or a B letter grade, For the price I paid for it and considering how off-road capable it is for my purposes, I don't think I've ever been quite so happy with a vehicle. It's really a great little bombing around truck. And it's one of those things where when I scratch the paint, I get out, I look at it and go, huh, it it looks even better. I earned that. So uh, I really do dig it. And if you're looking at all for a four-wheel drive off-road vehicle, um. It can be very, very easy to get caught up in the fantasy of things we would like to do. You know, it's kind of like when you're shopping for a computer, and it's just a little bit more for this upgrade, and just a little bit more for this upgrade. Uh, I got very lucky in that I found something that was basically bone stock, really good price, and is actually going to suit my purposes just about perfectly. It's not the best on gas mileage, but... uh, that's about the only knock against it for a daily driver. It's got a radio, it's got AC, it's nothing fancy, but it works and it's a whole lot of fun to be able to look at a curb and say, you know what? I'm going to go up and over that, <laughs> you know, and I couldn't do it before. So a uh, very cool little four by four. And if anyone else is looking around for uh, for truly a general purpose utility vehicle, You know, keep in mind that that used can save you a lot of money, and that's how Jeep got their name. So uh, with that said, hope you guys have uh, any input for me. That would be great for uh, any guidance since, like I say, I'm new to Jeeps, and uh, you all take care.
0: Hey, Eric, thanks for that review. If, Like he said, if any of you guys have any tips or pointers or suggestions for him, any of you Jeep guys out there or any of you four-wheeler guys out there that – You could provide, go ahead and send that in and we'll either read it out here. If you want to do an mp3 like he did, go ahead and uh, send that in to me at thearmedape at gmail.com or you can call it in on the voicemail at 206-339-3266. You know, I haven't had all that much experience with uh, Jeep stuff. Uh, I had a friend a long time ago that he had one of the the uh, Jeep Cherokees and stuff, and it ran pretty good and it was a pretty good little little rig. Um, what I've always been partial to for kind of some of the four-wheel drive stuff is some of the older things, things like the old Broncos. I never owned one. I, and the Bronco I'm talking about the model years are from 66 to 77, which are the smaller ones. Um, and I've always I've, I've always liked those. I've always been partial to the Jeep trucks, which are the J10s and J20s. Uh, the, the 10 means it's a half ton, and then the 20 means it's a three-quarter ton. Now, I had a um, 75 um, J, J20, and it was in pretty good shape. It had been an Arizona rig, but I got it and thought I would actually at the time have more more time and more resources to put into it but i ended up i just didn't and i had i ended up getting rid of it um it was a long bed and it was all wheel drive um and it had a uh, one of the things that was kind of kind of neat but was kind of also a big pain in the butt about it was it had a gravity feed extra tank up in the back um, and it was maybe just like an extra 10 gallon tank, which it, but they had, had, um, jury rigged it and rednecked it so much that it was going to be something that I was going to have to rip out. And then, uh, a lot of the bolts and things on there were kind of rusted to it. And, uh, the engine was in, I mean, it would run and everything, but it was in pretty rough shape. Um, the transmission I think on it was okay, but, uh, eventually I would have probably had to drop, drop in a new engine. um and I, and, uh, it was carbureted <clears throat> and some people, some guys say, oh, carburation is better because you don't have to worry about, you know, having the computer to run the, um, uh, to run the fuel injection. But I, I think kind of overall, I would, I would probably rather have fuel injection rather than carburetion. Uh, and that's just kind of personal preference for me. Uh, years ago I had a uh, I used to, I have, a, I had a couple of scouts. I had a, um, I think I had a 75, I can't remember if it was 75 or 74, um, International Harvester, the Scout. And I also, then I got I, I traded that off. Um, and then I ended up getting, uh, a few years later, I ended up getting a 1979 Scout 2. And again, that's International Harvester. And those are pretty neat little things. They're kind of ugly looking, but I liked, I just, I liked the look of them. Um, and what was nice about those is you can take their convertible, so you can take the whole top off, um, and convertible, not like a car where the top will fold back or it's a rag top, but you can actually, you can take the hard top off. And, uh, I liked that thing and it was a lot of fun. It didn't have a lot of, uh, get up and go to it, but it had a lot of kind of low end torque, um but you know there were other things about that too it had kind of lock the locking hubs to where you had to get out and do all that stuff so um you know most of us nowadays are used to you just it's a, a push of a button or a flip a little flip of a knob inside the inside the cabin you go to you go from four wheel you know you go from two wheel drive you can go down to low or to high four wheel um but you know having said that uh i don't know that I would ever get one of those again. Um, I think what I'd like to get again would be a, a, a real um, good model of of that J20, of that Jeep J20 truck. Um, they ne- I don't think that they ever made them in a crew cab or anything like that, so it would just be a single cab configuration. And I used to be a real big fan of short beds, but I think now what I would like um, to get would maybe be... A, a long bed, and that's what I had before, and I and that was another reason I kind of got rid of it too, is because at the time, and this was years ago, at the time I had thought, well, I think I'd prefer a short bed, but all things kind of being equal, I think if I get one again, I think I'd like to have a long bed, just because you get more, um, you, well, you get more storage, and then if you wanted to ever put a truck camper in the back of it, you could you can get a, uh, there's a lot more out there, I think. Um, in fact, I don't even know, maybe you guys can let me know, do they even make, uh, campers for a short bed truck that, you know, I know they, of course, I know they obviously make them for the long beds. Um, but you would have more room in that type of a situation. Um, so I think eventually I'll probably, you know, get one of those again, maybe when my, my current truck kind of gives up the ghost, but that, that won't be for, geez, probably another, maybe, yeah, let's see, it's another, about three years, shoot, probably at least five to six years. Um, I, I tend to keep vehicles for, for quite a long time. You know, if you just do a little bit of maintenance on them, though, most, especially the modern stuff, Man, it's not like when I was a kid, you know, you'd have belts and hoses that would go out, and they just weren't as well, the technology behind even those things, like your belts and your hoses and stuff, and how long your engine could go, and your tires and all that stuff. They just weren't designed to, they just, to last as long, and it wasn't, I don't think it was like a planned obsolescence thing, I just think the materials that they had at the time and the technology that went into them, they just didn't last very long, but heck, now, you know, you can... You can drive for there's what seventy thousand mile tires, you got hoses and belts that will pretty much go almost a hundred thousand miles, you know, without without needing to be changed. Um, you know, just the, the the materials and the stuff that we have is so much better. Uh so anyway, like I said, once my I think once my truck that I have now kind of gives up the ghost, I think what I'll do is look at maybe getting an older used like a J twenty Although I've all I have always liked too those Chevys. Uh, I like the Chevy the Chevy C10s and the and the um the 20s on those as well. But I don't know, I'm kind of partial I guess to the uh to the Jeeps. I kind of always liked those too and uh, I guess if I had to say for what appeals to me a stet- more a little bit more aesthetically is actually the is the Jeep. So um anyway, kind of enough about uh truck and car talk I guess here a little bit. If you guys have like a favorite uh, four-wheel drive or a favorite older uh, vehicle, go ahead and call in or write in and let me know. Now, earlier in the show, I had mentioned that I was going to talk about, you know, that in in the prepping community or the the survivalist community, however you want to phrase it, they're kind of the big subjects are always talked about. Uh, But if if you were looking at long-term disaster area, let's say so that the society has collapsed and it's not going to come back for, you know, for quite a while. What are some of the little skills and some of the, or or skills, I guess that you could say would be considered things that, that wouldn't necessarily be a survival based thing, but things that, that are often overlooked. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, okay, well, what are some things that you would need kind of on a daily basis? And what skills and what things would you need to know how to do um, that, if you had that skill, could make you maybe an asset to a community? And let's say that, you know, maybe you're, you're not that great of a hunter or you're not that great of a fisherman, um, or you don't know how to, you know, you don't know a lot about construction. But if you're a person um, who who has things like, uh, you know how to make clothes, so sewing, and you have the supplies. if And again, if we're in that long-term, and this is going to be stuff that's going to just deal with, we're going to kind of go off into flights of fancy here a little bit, but we're going to talk about things that if you were going to be in a long-term situation where society as we know it has kind of gone away and it won't be coming back for a while. Um, so again, having a skill like knowing how to So clothes knowing how to tailor them to where they fit and you can say well i have a lot of clothes or i have this or that well those those may get used up we're not used to uh, most of us are not used to wearing or having only one or two pair of jeans and you have to wear those pretty much every day and you're having to be outside and working and constantly doing stuff where there's a lot more wear and tear on those things than what we normally put our clothes through uh, also, you know the the way that we how we wash our clothes and being able to dry them is a lot less wear and tear than having to run them through like uh, you know like on a, a wash a washboard in a bucket um, and you know our clothes are able to get cleaner they're able to um, basically you know just to last longer but eventually those clothes are going to be gone so if you're somebody who knows how to sew you know how to take the measurements and you have some of that stuff stockpile you know we talk about when we talk about stockpiling things we don't ever really think about everybody thinks about well you got to do food you got to do ammunition you got to have some guns you got to have um, uh, you know and I talk about things like this too you need to have basically tools that are that are true hand tools not not power hand tools but good old you know good old cross cut and rip saws and hand drills and hand braces and things like that chisels and files all that kind of jazz Um, but you also really need to would think about it would be easy to get uh, some packs of of needles and thread and things like that uh, and stockpile those they take up very little room and those things, to somebody that didn't have those, if you were able to give them a needle and a few spools of thread, that stuff would be very, very valuable to them. Uh, also things like um, having uh, actual just fabric. Um, fabric, is, of course, you know, storing that would, would kind of take a lot. And I know people say, well, you could go out and scrounge and scavenge and do this. But eventually all that stuff is going to be gone. And eventually somebody who's enterprising is going to go out there and they're going to hit, um, hit one of those fabric stores and they're just going to take everything out of it or they're going to take over that you know that warehouse. They'll go in there and take everything out. But um, that enterprising person may not be you and that enterprising person, uh, even if they were friendly to you and wanted to come and trade some of that stuff, maybe they're not in your area. Maybe they're two or 300 miles away and they're not going to get to your area. Uh, So just having a few things like that, um, but again, having that skill of knowing how to sew, and I'm not talking about necessarily knowing how to use a sewing machine. Now I'm, uh, of course most of those run on electricity, but you know, if you were having to hand sew everything, um, you know, I've I've done repairs on clothing and sewn on buttons and done this and done that, and uh, sewing stuff by hand is kind of a pain in the butt. Uh, and some people say, well, you, you could kind of learn or figure it out. But if that's a skill that you already have, again, it's something that you could add to to a community and also things that you could teach. You could teach other people to do it. Um, but again, I think the main thing would be having, having the thread and the needles because I, there's, I don't know how you would go about making an actual sewing needle, um, I don't, I have no idea how I would make one if somebody said, well, you know, try and make us a sewing needle. Well, I can't do it. Um, and if we, if we also talk about, you know, some people will say, well, you know, you may not really need that much fabric because you could just, you could go out and kill a deer and skin it and then, you know, tan the hide and then make buck make a buckskin shirt, make buckskin pants, blah, blah, blah. Well, um. That, that may happen a couple of times, but if, if you're in a group that there's 20 or 30 people, you, you may not be able to find enough game to provide enough clothes for anybody. But, and again, so uh, and again, this is just stuff that we're talking about where these maybe aren't necessarily life uh, saving skills or skills that you would have to have um, or you're going to die. But it would be something that would be nice to know how to do, or to have somebody in your group. If you've got a group that that's it's going to be part of your uh, again prepper group or a survival group, because um, because one thing is going to be for sure if it was if it ever got that bad, you're not going to be able to go it alone. You'll be able to go it alone a little bit at first, but eventually you you can't do everything by yourself, and especially. If you've got a small family or if it's just you and your wife and you're, you know, one kid or two kids or three kids, but they're younger, you're just not going to be able to handle and do all that stuff. You're going to have to be eventually part of a group. And if you're going to come in from the outside and try and join a group, they're going to, you're going to need to have some, some skills and some worth, um, Another thing I had thought about too was being able to make footwear or or do repairs to shoes. You know, can you? Uh, do you know how to make um, a good pair of of uh, moccasins? Do you know how to and and you know maybe sew several layers on the bottom so you have at least a little bit of a protective footbed? You know, can could you make a pair of um, of boots? Could you? Uh, and if we and if we go with the leather work a little bit further, can you do? You know, have you practiced making a leather sheath for your knife, or or some of your knives that you have? Um, are you good at? And and uh, some people say, well, everybody kind of knows how to sharpen their knives and sharpen their stuff. Well, there are people out there who are really really good at it, um, and that's something maybe you could get good at. You know, are you you know you learn how to take care of the tools, you know, you know how to learn how to sharpen a saw, you learn how to sharpen knives and axes, um, you learn how to sharpen chisels, you know, where you're not just grinding away the metal and reduce the life of the tools. Because again, again, we're looking at a situation where there is no more Walmart, there is no more Lowe's or Home Depot, and there's no big companies out there manufacturing this stuff anymore. So again, having a a skill of, um, being a sharpener, being a guy that can really put an edge on stuff, and it's not that far fetched i mean if you think about it not too long ago in this country, there were people much like the traveling salesman, but they were traveling they would go from town to town and place to place, and they would have in the back of their little truck or the back of their car they would have uh, sharpening and they would go to people's houses and they would they would you know talk to the men there for about the tools and the women about the you know the uh uh, the kitchen knives and stuff and they could they could hone an edge up they could reshape a blade they could do all sorts of things like that so even having that skill of knowing how to really put a um put an edge on a knife knowing how to bring a knife that's kind of uh, maybe has the handle broken off well you know if you're the sharpening guy you probably know how to fix those things so anyway those are just a couple of things i would thought of, a, of you know quite a few others but if you guys have some, what I would call like small skills or, or little skills that often get overlooked when people are talking about, you know, preparing for kind of an end of the world type situation, you know, the world as we know it, or it should hits the fan type thing, go ahead, call in, uh, let me know. You can, like I said, you can either do the voicemail or um, go ahead and send me a uh, uh, email or an MP3. It's time to whip out my pimp cane and beat some knowledge into your heads. So listen up,
1: motherfuckers.
0: This is the time in the show when I like to give some recommendations, uh, talk about some things that I've been uh, listening to or watching or kind of... uh, or can be ongoing stuff. If you guys like uh, old movies like I do, you like some of the B-movies and like kind of that... um, that style of movie, whether it's from the 30s, 40s, 50s, all the way up you know, to, to modern movies. Uh, a really good podcast for you to listen to is the B-Movie Cast, and that's with Vince Rotello, And uh, Nick Brown is his uh, co-host. Uh, sometimes when Nick isn't around or has to be out of town, Vince will have some of the listeners be a co-host, which is really kind of neat. Uh, there's been uh, the last, uh, oh, I think maybe... Last few shows, he's had some uh, some guest hosts come in, and it's just a really good show. You can uh, it's really enjoyable. It's one of my favorite ones, so I'd highly recommend that. Uh, let's see here. Um, trying to think if there's any new shows or any new thing that I've books or podcasts that I've been listening to. Oh, as most of you guys know, I am a uh, libertarian when it comes to the political stuff. And uh, one of the guys that I like to listen to and a guy that I think makes a lot of sense is uh, Congressman Ron Paul out of Texas. And uh, there's a podcast called... If you go into iTunes and just type in... Uh, I think it's Ron Paul uh, 2012. Let me pull up my thing here. It's Ron Paul 2012 Podcast. And what this is, is it's a guy that that uh, compiles a bunch of his... When he goes on to different shows or, or does a speech or anything, he uh, compiles those and then puts them out. So you can hear a lot of his speeches and interviews and things that he does, which I really like. Uh, let's see, what else we got going on that I want to talk about? Not, you know, not too much. Um, I can't really think about too much. But uh, the show's getting kind of at the point where I like to end it anyway. So, uh, again, give old Vince and Nick a, a listen over at, uh, at B Movie Cast. Uh, check out that Ron Paul podcast. And uh, other than that, my monkeys, I think I'm going to sign off. Take care, guys.
1: guy's got a monkey scrotum and he's bragging about it. Ooh,